Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And as the summer season start to bless us with their presence once more, uh, I would like to bring forth the fact that it is um, too hot. Hey, gang, if summer's your favorite season, I'm coming out the gate swinging on this one. If summer's your favorite season, dial it back a little bit. Uh, if I will not, say this is spring. Yeah. It's going to be summer. I wanna, I'm a summer person. Growing up, summer was not my favorite season. It was fall, which is the most basic thing it could be. But now it's summer. Here's what I want to have to say about summer. It might be hot, but for everyone who's like got that sad seasonal, you know, depressive, whatever. Seasonal affective disorder. Right. The nonstop sun is a godsend. Yes. And I respect that. However, I think that spring offers pretty much everything in terms of weather that Are you summer telling does. me spring, the thing that's known for thunderstorms, rain, and clouds... Offers the same thing as summer. The, yeah. The notoriously best season because no one has to go to school and you can go to the beach and you can hang out with your friends and the days are long. Okay. There's no competition. So you and I have both lived, you know, in the southern part of the states. Like yes. you have to admit that like summer in the in, in the south is just not fun. It's not as fun as Michigan. That's for sure. <laughs> And like, it hits um, right about, like, May, where you're like, ooh, don't like this. And so my uniform at work is all black. Black dress slacks and a black dress shirt, long sleeve, right? So whenever I go outside for more than four seconds, it is um, bad. I have a bad time. So I'm yeah. just a sucker for that, like, April-May area where, like, it's a lot easier to live in that, like, 70-degree area. Because as soon as June starts stomping in, it's game over. It is a, it's just bad in terms of how I feel about everything. Because, you know, when I try to go to bed, it's always just hot and sweaty still. Like, no matter how much you crank up the AC or have fans running, it's like... Also, like, my apartment becomes louder because of it, because I have to have so many, like, air conditioning accessories running. So, this is the this is the flag that I am planting. I will say, though, be, it gets a little obnoxious, but it makes you enjoy the mornings a lot more, because that's when the temperature is, like, regular. And oh, yes. for the people who are at night, who, like, go out at night, you can just be out and not have to worry about getting cold. Because a lot of yeah. times, like, when the weather's perfect during the day, at night, you're like, I gotta throw a jacket on. We're gonna. I need to plan stuff around this, and no one brings a jacket when they go out. If it's too hot, it's too hot. I'm not gonna carry this around me for when I need it. Um, but dude, if you're going out at night, freaking wear short sleeves, shorts, and get a breeze going, dude, you can just be out all night and it never gets cold. I'm a summer man, bro. I'm a summer man. And we'll check in at the end of summer and see if uh, we still hold our same opinions. Sure, man. We definitely won't, um, but it's a good thought. <laughs> okay. Um, this week we are watching The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. If you don't want to hear us talk about this movie for any reason, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 19 minutes, 45 seconds. Now, this movie is a 2016 comedy. Oh, is, would you say that this is, that comedy is the most forward genre of this movie? Uh, you might say like detective yeah it's, right it's an investigative comedy but yeah. like comedy it's is 50, like 50 it's definitely not an action movie yes so um russell crowe and ryan gosling um effectively play private detectives and they kind of accidentally get stumbled into the same case together where they're looking for a girl named amelia Right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and this takes place in uh, 1970s L.A., and that's pretty much the gist of this movie, is it's Russell Crowe yeah. and Ryan Gosling being okay at best detectives in 70s L.A., um, and all the kind of, like, niche aesthetics that would come this with movie, that. This movie, I mean, the aesthetics are working overtime. Overtime, like Ryan Gosling has that like 70s L.A. mustache. Um, 
Russell Crowe is, um, or and Ryan Gosling's also kind of like in a leisure suit that just gets deteriorated as the movie goes on. Yeah. Um, and they're investigating the death of a porn star, and like you know, in the seventies, porn was very. Well, different. they're not really investigating the death because they he's investigating because an old woman. I mean, Gosling is investigating because an old woman thought she saw her niece, who happens to be a porn star, in a room, and he goes, "Well." It is widely known she's dead. We watch her die in the first two minutes of the movie. So they're like, let's just find Amelia because he figured out that Amelia was there. Um, Gosling figured out Amelia was there. So it's like, let me just find her and ask some questions. Why in the world would this old lady mistake her for Misty? And Russell Crowe is hired by Amelia to get rid of the people that are following him, which happens to be Ryan Gosling and more people. So no one's yeah. like the the really the thing I like about this movie besides it being funny. This is my second time watching it. It's a lot more funny the second time. The I first agree. time I don't think I got it. <laughs> um I didn't think it was doing it on purpose. I like how long the detective plot goes. It's not a who done it. It's not like a, once we figure this out the movie's over. There's a lot to figure out. Um and I yeah. like that. Um I this is like I said this is also the second time that I've seen it. I still don't love the detective work of this movie, which is weird cuz that's normally a thing that I would like about a movie like this. But right. It, especially in the second act, it gets real convoluted for a while. Um you start getting into like some subtext about the auto industry and like corruption through the Department of Justice and like it goes into a much grander scheme than people are following me someone is missing. Right. Um and you, it's this is one of those movies where you might think you don't have to pay attention. You do. You do. You definitely you do need to pay attention um because it does get a little convoluted at the end. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to be like, what's what's the point of this? I don't get any of this. And I am willing to admit that that kind of happened to me where I was like, I've already seen this. I know it's a comedy. I'm mostly in it for the jokes this time. So there were some moments that I like definitely could have been paying more attention and I probably should have. But I still stand by the kind of, I think it's not unworth your time to go in thinking this is just a comedy and watching it just for the comedy. If the detective part loses you, that's okay because it maintains its humor throughout pretty much the entire movie. Right. Absolutely. I would, I would agree. The plot is cool. It's not the best part of this movie. The, The jokes are good. The aesthetic is cool. The set pieces, the locations are cool. The dialogue, the, the way they bounce. The, there's a lot of chemistry here that I didn't really pick up on the first try. I thought, man, this is a weird pairing. No, the chemistry makes sense. It's good. Yeah. I like them working together. Um, Because I would never pluck Russell Crowe or Ryan Gosling to be in a comedy. And... I've gone on the record to say that, like, I'm not a huge fan of Ryan Gosling. I don't know if it's Ryan Gosling's fault or if he just consistently chooses projects that I'm not super into. (laughs) But this was a good break in the mold for me in terms of how I view him. Um, It's nice to see him in a movie that's, like, not Drive or The Notebook you know, or any of these like super melodramatic movies. It's kind of nice to see him just like be a little silly. Yeah, dude, I liked it. I am a Gosling guy, regardless of whether or not like I like his movies. I've watched a lot of them um, and I usually like them. So seeing him in this, I thought he was funny. I like the other stuff he's in. I like Russell Crowe a lot. Um, yeah. So I went in a little apprehensive. Dude, it works. It works immediately. Ryan Gosling is like funny, funny in this, bro. Yeah. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Lord help me with this name. Anjuri Rice, um, who plays Ryan Gosling's daughter in this movie. She was way funnier than I expected her to be. Um, she is also um Betty in all the Tom Holland Spider Man movies. So she's the one that does like all the school announcements and is like the pestering school reporter. And I don't really love that character so much. So when I recognized that it was her, I'm like, oh, this is going to be weird. But she kills it, knocks it out of the park. She's fantastic. 
She also plays a much bigger part in this movie than you would expect her to be. Like, she gets introduced in the beginning, and you're like, oh, the daughter, she'll come back every now and then, but maybe pivotal in the third act, but not important right now. No, she's kind of around the whole time. It's one of those things that, like, when she comes up, you're like, oh, this is the part where we send her away because she's not important. And she just keeps coming back. And you're like, I guess she's, like, in this movie. I think kid actors are so hit and miss that, like, they... it, it was weird when a kid gets introduced. You're like, this is probably not important at all. Like, she's she's the daughter of one of the main characters. We're probably never going to see her. And then she's in more, and you're like, you know, I get it. She's good. She does a really good job. It's She plays a very believable, like, daughter. It's, yeah. It's amazing. And Ryan Gosling's character is purposefully pathetic, right? He's always down on his luck. He's, like I said an okay at best detective he's consistently in situations where he has where he does not have the upper hand and his daughter knows this and and she does not let him forget it Mm -hmm. she's kind of mean to him it's it's good dude i dig it i like anytime like there's a weird relationship where you can kind of just like pick on each other also gosling has a she like makes fun of him for being a bad detective and then he gets extremely insulted and always pulls out some crazy Sherlock Holmes like reveal. And it's happened more than once in this movie. And I always loved it. Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't know. And I'm like, what the heck, bro? Did you? You're really good. This is impressive. Yeah. Like when he does the deduction of like, oh, FLT means flat, which is British for apartment. So that's probably an address, not a time. I'm like, oh, OK. Um. All right, I'm man. Like, yeah. I'm like, yo, this is very impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, as much as I like, don't love how convoluted the plot gets, I do really like the climax of this movie. Um, and so basically the, the setup for the end of this movie is there's this uh, movie, basically this film, that's, that exposes the chief of the Department of Justice as corrupt and is purposefully setting the auto industry up to fail. And this film is being shown or is going to be shown at an automotive fair. And um, basically it's a battle of who can get control of the film, the physical film itself. And it turns into like this 20 minute kind of like shootout action sequence that like you really don't see in any other part of this movie. And I thought that it was done well enough while still keeping the tone of this movie of like still being silly and funny, um, but still having pretty good, intense action sequences. Well, there's like scenes where he shoots somebody and they die and they both fall over the edge of a building and he lands in a point and goes, I think I'm invincible. I don't think I can die. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, it's just the dialogue. And the thing is, is, is this something I would recommend for people to watch? No. Is it highly inappropriate for anyone who's not an adult? Yeah, it it revolves around pornography because the the hidden message for of you know revealing that the government, the Justice Department, is colluding with the big three car manufacturers against you know uh, emissions and you know the car obviously the car manufacturers still want to make cars and there's a whole like health crisis going on and that is revealed in a pornography shoot. So like it's not age appropriate at all and it is and it is funny. I don't know how to feel about this movie. I like it, but I like it too. But there, like, there's something about it. There's something about it that doesn't fully click. Like, I would yeah. recommend this movie to people. I do like it. I would even watch it a third time. Like, I'm not against that. But there's just something about it that I f- there's like a missing je ne sais quoi that this movie does not have. Whoa, big words. See, here's the thing. I completely agree. And I know I I know I feel and felt the same way earlier because I don't remember a thing about this movie. I watched it one time when it came out and now I'm watching it what 4 or 5 years later, uh maybe longer. It came out in 2016, so I'm watching it 7 years later. I don't remember it. I didn't remember it at all. So, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Um I want to give a quick shout out, and I like to shout this man out whenever I get the opportunity to. I want to hear it from a man, Keith David, um, a man I who say Keith David. Yep. Um, I, I love seeing him in every movie. Never gets enough screen time. 
Um, he's in this movie. He's in the beginning and the end of this movie, and that's it. Has like five minutes of screen time. Yep. And like there are just a bunch of other movies that we've seen on the podcast that he's only been in for like a second. Um, like The Thing. He's like a minor character in The Thing. He's David Kaluuya's dad in Nope. Dies in the before the credits even like the opening credits of Nope. So <clears throat> what I'm saying is this man has 353 credits to his name. I would love it if one of them was like, you know, a main character. I mean, That's it's just he I does so say. much voice acting. Yeah, like he's Dr. Like, Facilier in Princess and the Frog. Like, right. I just, I love this. He's he's my favorite character actor for sure. And I would just love to see him do like one show-stopping big title role. Um, but I, that that's my shout-out corner. Um, mm-hmm. I am glad that I rewatched this movie. Um, I think people have been asking Russell Crowe because he's been doing, you know, press junkets for Pope's Exorcist. You know, people have been asking him about, like, what about Nice Guys 2? And he's like, you know, we've kicked around an idea, but like nothing set in motion. And I feel like that's kind of where a sequel for a movie like this kind of lives. Like nobody wants to pull the trigger on this sequel because I imagine it's a little risky in all senses of the imagination. But if they do it, like, I, you know, I bet it would go well. I would watch it. I, I think this movie demands a big budget because it has stars in it. Also, the set pieces, like the set is expensive. Um, Here's what I'm going to say. As someone who does not work in, um, you know, celebrity management, I feel like this is one of those projects. I bet you could get these two back for, quote unquote, relatively cheap because it's every interview that I've seen them talk about this movie. They just like gush over it. I think that like this movie was a passion project for a lot of people. And I bet a sequel would be, too. So if we can like sell it on it being a passion project, that would probably the be the best chance of a sequel getting made. Yeah, that's fair. It's I mean it's good. Here's the thing: I don't know if a bunch of people would see it because the same problem as us. I don't know how many people remember it. I don't remember. <laughs> like it would be nice. I don't think it's going to be a big draw. So it's it's tricky. Yeah. Um. The writer and director for this movie also wrote um, all of the... He wrote the screenplay for Iron Man 3. Um, He was the writer of Lethal Weapon. So there's, like, some other stuff that I've seen by this guy. And, like, I've never not liked his stuff. But I always feel like it lives in this same kind of, like, good but not great Something feels not connecting, um, weird kind of like middle area. Yeah. It's, there's something missing. I don't know what it is. It it might be because there's a focus on the comedy and anytime there's a focus on the comedy, if you focus too much, you might lose the other stuff. You know, like I love 21 Jump Street. I think it's a great movie. Apparently Kanye likes it as well because apparently <laughs> he's not anti-Semitic anymore because he likes Jonah Hill. Um, it There is something missing in that too. And I think in a lot of comedies, there's there's something to be desired at the end of it, um, but you're there to laugh. So I think if they, you can either double down on the comedy, right? Or spend a little bit more time on the plot and turn it into a Marvel movie where there's jokes in it, but there's this is going somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like it just being its own as thing. It yeah. I, as soon as it finished, I'm like, oh, I want more. I, when I yeah. become a billionaire, I will finance it myself. Okay. But I don't think this makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, like, for me, this is like a textbook flat seven. Okay. I'm giving it a seven and a half. Like, I liked it. I know a lot of people that wouldn't. I know a lot of people who would love it. It was funny enough. I liked the deep plot. It's, uh, yeah. This is like seven, seven and a half to me is almost interchangeable. Seven is like... A good movie with flaws. A eight is a great movie that I would watch again. A seven and a half is like, I think this is a great movie. <laughs> I think, but I'm not sure. So that's why I'm giving it that. Yeah, for sure. Um, So we have decided that this is going to be a casual episode. We've decided we've worked so hard on building segments for almost every of our 130 plus episodes of Permanent Good that we decide to... uh. Let ourselves hang loose a little bit more frequently. 
you know, just hang out, not worry so much about building the format. And so is this casual episode sooner than the other ones? Yes, but that's on purpose. And if you have a problem with that, take it up with your congressman because they're not busy enough as it is. Right. Um, and the way that I want to format this casual episode is I kind of want to make it like one long moonlighting segment where we talk about the stuff that we've seen, but also feel free to talk about other stuff as it comes up naturally. And if this format doesn't work, then we won't do it again. But this is our podcast and we have the ability to play in the space. Um, I would like to start um, by talking about Mario because it's we, oh, it's been a while since we've recorded and I haven't had a chance to talk about Mario. Um, this movie was not good. Oh, people. First of all, this is the best selling video game movie of all time. Best selling video game movie of all time. Um, biggest opening for an animated movie of all time. Obviously, Which, biggest by the way, movie of- is nuts. Is crazy. It beat like Frozen Two, um, which is like I, the kid, the kids movie, and obviously like biggest movie of twenty twenty three. This movie is breaking all kinds of records. Um, I, it's bad. It's it, it, I just didn't like it. Um, are the, people then why are people Greg? Then why are people seeing it? Is it just because it's Mario and it's a very yes. recognizable IP? Yeah. Or do you think anybody's because, going back and watching it again? I don't. I, not. I don't know. Here's the single sentence that I walked away from that movie that I feel like best describes why I didn't like it is it did not feel like a genuine movie, but rather a list of obligatory references this movie was forced to make. Like, it doesn't feel like we were like, all right, this is how we get from A to B to C to D in the story, but rather, all right, here are all the references we have to make. Go write a script. And it just yeah. felt very uninspired. And like, listen, I don't need this movie to be a big plot heavy movie. That's not what I'm asking. But I just want it to feel like it exists for a reason other than to make the biggest selling video game movie of all time. And that's what it feels like. It feels like the most milk toast, non-risk taking, generic uninspired movie i've seen in a very long time Do you um, think this movie's for kids and that's why it's not taking risks they're like it's for kids or is this like a movie for the whole family i don't know well because like it's not like it doesn't look, to the best of my knowledge i don't think this movie makes any jokes that are like this one's for the parents like okay. they're all like age appropriate jokes i also didn't laugh at all during this movie <laughs> and i think that's kind of the big thing is all of the jokes in this movie relied on referencing a different thing about Mario. And it was none of it was just like genuine comedy. And that mm. is kind of where you lose me. Like if you're going to make an uninspired movie, at least make it funny. Um, this, and I've just looked at the IMDb. This movie's packed with all stars. Yeah. Um, Chris Pratt, Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Sebastian Maniscalco, Seth Rogen, Fred Armiston, Keegan-Michael Key. Are you Among ready? others. Are you ready? So this movie is very controversial in the sense that like Mario as a franchise obviously has a very well-established voice cast. Like Charles Martinet is very famous for the fact that he does Mario. And the fact that Chris Pratt was chosen to do Mario instead of Charles Martinet was a very big uproar in kind of like the animation community because it felt like a slap in the face of like, like we already have a voice actor why are we casting people yeah and like this is the most obvious case of stunt casting in a movie that we've seen in a very long time that's like we're not choosing the best person we're choosing the biggest name that will get people to see it um and that's how people felt specifically about chris pratt um, more than others in the cast. Are you ready for the two weakest performers in this movie? And it's not Send who it. you'd expect. Seth Rogen As and Charlie Day. I Charlie Day? did not like Charlie Day as Luigi at all. Oh, like, no. oof. And Seth Rogen has gone on interviews to say that, like, he did not do a voice for Donkey Kong. And he told illumination and nintendo this off the gate just like it, i'll do this but you got to understand i don't do voices it's just going to be me and um as much as i disagree with their opinion to just be cool with that um 
uh, it shows in the movie. It's like you see Donkey Kong, you're like, oh, that's just Seth Rogen. Like, okay, whatever. Oh no, dude. Why and, would what a what a horrible choice. I don't do voices, so I'm not gonna try. Yeah. And I felt like Charlie Day kind of did the same thing. He just wasn't as loud about it. Um and do you, how do you that, feel like um Pratt did? He was fine, serviceable, not my favorite, not the worst. He didn't make or break this movie. I just, and, and there's the thing, when you watch this movie, three things happen. He goes to the Mushroom Kingdom. They go to Donkey Kong Kingdom to recruit an army to stop Bowser. And then they go back okay. to the Mushroom Kingdom to stop Bowser. Those are the three things that happen in the movie. And it's just, every ounce of this movie feels like it's trying to cash in on some other aspect. The soundtrack is all um, either referential Mario music, which is fine. That's not what I'm upset about. Or songs that have no right to be there, but are there because they're popular songs. Like, obviously, I Need Dude. a Hero is in this movie. Duh. Um, but also, Take <laughs> On Me is in this movie in a part that really doesn't make any sense. So I just, I was so unimpressed by this movie in every shape of the matter that when I see how impressed people are by it and how much fun people are having, it's not even like a, like a disrespect thing. It's just like a, what did you see that I didn't see? Like, have I become so cynical and inward in my personality that I no longer let myself have fun with movies like these? Or are you just seeing something else? Um, like, it's not offensively bad. It's just the fact that this movie is making so much money, you'd think it'd be better than it was. So I slap it at like a flat five. Yeah. Um, I had a feeling this is not a movie for me. I was never going to see it un until it streams. And then I I just, it, it's a it's a mandatory watch because of how big it is in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Same thing with like, it's like Titanic. But like, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Some people say it's great. Some people say it's it's not. It's a three hour long movie. It's in the zeitgeist. You should watch it. Now, have I watched it yet? No. So it's not a great comparison. <laughs> um, but it also, feels like that. So because this movie is an Illumination movie, which is a universal studio, chances are this movie's going to be streaming on Peacock before it's streaming on anything else. And I want to say, what a big get for Peacock. I feel like Peacock is the underdog of all streaming services. Like... In terms of best content to Dude, I think like Tubi fewest does people talking about it. What were you saying? Yeah. I think Tubi does better than Peacock. Interesting. Um, because here's the thing. Peacock has what? The Office. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Well, it has, you know, all the NBC shows. Um, P uh, Office, Parks and Rec, Good Place, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, it okay, also has so this Psych is, Peacock and House. Peacock is, is, the, is the sitcom one. So like all, you know how each... Uh, streamer has their claim to fame. Hulu has um, kind of like drama dramas. So I would say like Dave Archer. It's got great TV shows. No one's subscribing to Hulu for the movies. Not one person is for Hulu for the movies. Netflix has original shows, original movies. HBO has the best, probably some of the best movies, all the Warner Brothers stuff. And then they got like the big one big budget show. Which is Game of so Thrones. here's what I'm going to say about Peacock in its defense sure. is I think that Peacock is the service that you sign up for one thing, but get more than you expected. Because if you yeah. look at all the stuff that they like, if you sign up for the sitcoms and then you go to their movie sections, they have all the Hunger Games movies, the John Wick movies, all the Jurassic movies. Um, and then they're also, in my opinion, the best at turning their movies around from their theatrical run the fastest oh it's so fast dude i watched cocaine bear yeah they have I cocaine, cocaine bear, bear knock at the cabin puss in boots megan and megan unrated like me like all that stuff like megan came out in january and you know the unrated version of it is already on peacock and like Cocaine Bear came out in like at the end of February and it's yeah. already on peacock so like it, that's it why i come to it's not even close 
that's why I come to bat for Peacock because I think that people that have it don't look deep enough. That there's more there than what they're looking for. Also, it's and one of the would, cheapest ones you can get. Yeah. So it's, I think that if they are able to snag Mario when it's time for that movie to start streaming, um, then it's a freaking game changer for Peacock. Like easy sure. peasy. They got it. Did you want to talk about Cocaine Bear? Uh, yeah. You already saw it, right? You saw it in theaters. Yeah. Uh huh. So here's the thing. Here's what I what I didn't anticipate with Cocaine Bear is there's bad movies on purpose. They happen all the time where this whole movie is a joke, right? Um, you got to be careful with bad movies on purpose because sometimes they're just bad movies. And this is just a bad movie. This is not one of those like it's bad and it's because like the action was bad or the plot was crazy and they tried to make it as weird as possible. Well, they did all those things, but at the end of the day, it's still a bad movie. It's yeah. the dialogue is weird. The characters are not interesting at all. There's overacting and underacting and weird costumes. They do all of that. It's also hard to watch. So, what do you mean by that? Wouldn't you know? I didn't like it. It's like, it felt like there were slow parts. It felt like this is, this is one of those things that has multiple storylines, a bunch of characters you get introduced to them. Um, a lot of gore for gore's sake. Like, let's. This the is a weird for, movie. The gore for What's gore's that? sake makes sense for this movie. I think. Yeah, um, a lot of bad movies do this. A lot of like cheap, scary movies. Halloween. You see a lot around like uh, thrillers and horror movies. They do gore for gore's sake all the time. Um, so this is movie is not unlike those. However, it gets old. It, this is just not for me. I think there's people who really like. Like this is basically a parody movie and the parody is off of real life. Um, and it's, I just don't think who likes this movie. It's trash. So it, you think this is going to be a cult classic? I don't, I don't get it. So the big thing that I walked away from when I watched this movie or I walked away with is this movie didn't double down in either direction deep enough. Like it wasn't funny enough and it wasn't scary enough. Like, it needed to be one of those two things. And also, there's, like, a good 30-minute section where you don't see the bear. And once you realize, like, oh, it's been a minute since I've seen the bear, you lose interest in the movie pretty fast. When the bear is on screen, the movie is genuinely more interesting. There are some scenes that I didn't love, like when the bear falls asleep on the dude, and that's like a whole thing. I could, like, I didn't care. But when the bear was actively attacking people, that was cool. Like when the bear is chasing the ambulance down the street and, like, jumps into the ambulance, like, that's a cool sequence. I think this movie has a bunch of cool sequences. Um, but as far as like a full connected movie, I agree. It lacks in more areas than it doesn't. Yeah, it, it was a hard watch. I didn't want to watch it. It's one of Ray Liotta's last movie. I think he has one more after this. It's just, it left a lot to be desired. And I knew, I thought it was going to be funnier. I thought like, oh, this is going to be weird. This is going to be crazy. The trailer was awesome. I'm just like, I was let down. I was disappointed. Yeah, a lot of my complaints for that movie would have been solved if it was just if it was just funnier. Yeah. Oh, Did you have man, a rating Craig. for it? Three and a half. Whoa! Wow, you really? No, no, that's it. not true. It's not okay. that bad. <laughs> I just looked up and I looked at my scale real quick, and I saw what King. I saw King Kong was three point seven five. I'm like, well, it's definitely better than King Kong. Um, I'm gonna. S- well, that means it's at least a four. Okay. You want to give it a four? You can give it a Let four. Let me see what other... I'm going to scroll through see what other fours we have. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it a four. It's not enjoyable. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. They'd be like, well, I heard it was funny. I'm like, it's not that funny. Don't watch it. There's really no reason to watch it. Also, huh. like, kids take cocaine. Yeah. And somehow cr- have no effect. <laughs> it is crazy how little... I'm like this is not an exaggeration. A handful of cocaine affects eight-year-old children or ten-year-old children. Oh, there was no difference. <laughs> Nothing happened. Um, so that was annoying. But yeah. So shout out Peacock for having cocaine bear and uh, wasting about an hour and a half of my time. I watched Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Okay, this is. I'm very excited to hear what you think. I am a Shazam 1 defender. I yes. go to bat for Shazam 1. Shazam 2 does not get the same treatment. 
Oof. Ooh. Here's the good things about Shazam 2. Rachel Ziegler. Love her to death. Yes. I like I am watching her career. I'm excited to see what she does next. The CG, very good. I like I genuinely like almost all the CG in this movie. It's g- genuinely impressive at points. That's it. Oh no. Um, This was pointed out to me. This is one of those things that I didn't recognize until it was told to me. But Asher Angel, who plays Billy Batson, and Zachary Levi, who plays Shazam, they're the same character, right? That's the whole gimmick of of Shazam. They are playing it in, like, they did not talk about how they were playing this character in the second movie. Because... In the first movie, they were both very childlike. Makes sense. In this one, Asher Angel, Billy Batson, is very serious. He's like, we got to do this as a family. We have to stay connected. Like, the only way that we're going to get through this is if we remain by each other's side. And then when Zachary Levi is Shazam, he's like a a 15-year-old again. And he's just super immature and, like, child and like way more childlike than Billy Batson is to an incredibly disjointing feeling. And it really feels like they were trying to make two separate movies. And I think I feel that, like, like this could have been solved just by being like, hey, let me watch you do your scene and see if I can emulate that. Yeah, but and Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu are also in this. And I love watching classically trained, seasoned and respected actors say nonsensical comic book superhero stuff for what is very obviously the first time they read the script gave it to like a pa and then they said action and they delivered these nonsense lines like there's a lot of that feeling in this movie just overall like whatever spirit and heart was in the first movie just is not present in this one. And I don't know if it's purely a script thing. I don't know if it's a lack of good direction. Like it it is probably a formation, like it is probably a fault on all fronts. I yeah. think that in general this movie probably needed to be scrapped and started from the very beginning all over again. So that being said, it was when they did action stuff, it was fun. And like when the movie kind of like let itself just be an action movie, I enjoyed watching that stuff happen. So if my rating is a little higher than one might think it is, it's because I still enjoyed the fun parts of the movie. And I didn't care about when the movie tried to be a movie um and so that's five point five is where it sits gotcha um i watched tetris oh okay um it's got uh our guy in it your boy the king's man man um taron edgerton this movie what hit this movie did kind of what pinocchio did to us where you're like i'm going in expecting pinocchio and instead i got you know a fascist regime uh i went to this i'm like i'm waiting for tetris and instead i got a whole lot of russian communism <laughs> um but here's the thing it's all based on a true story so it plays really well because it's not like i thought it was gonna be about tetris and it turns out mo the the tetris story about acquiring licensing and title rights and all that stuff is the movie it's the whole movie is like yeah acquiring licenses how are we gonna get this to the u.s it was created in russia how is that all gonna work out it's good it's a good movie yeah i'm excited to watch it it's on my list there's a bunch of apple tv stuff that i need to watch um, it is and it is worth is the watch list. just know that like 60 to 70 percent of the movie takes place in russia yeah i kind of i kind of figured because i knew that it's it's more of a biopic than it is anything else yeah. than like a video game movie yeah for sure it's about the guy who brought it over to the u.s but like apparently it makes tetra sound like the best thing since sliced bread um, and don't get me wrong i'm still paying i played tetris yesterday like i'm still playing this game yeah it like changed the world it was the best selling game of all time until like two years ago would it get passed by like minecraft minecraft yeah yeah it makes sense it's like i mean it's how it got introduced to Nintendo. Sega gets bring, brought up. Uh, Atari gets brought up. Um, this is when arcades were still pretty big. This was like when video games were new, like home video games, because most stuff was just on like people's computers. 
So that all gets brought up. It's very interesting. Um, it's not going to change your life. It's not a mandatory watch. But I was pleasantly surprised how good it was. Also, good. Um, the acting is it's not too bad. Uh, I do have is, a couple things that I didn't is, is, like. Is Taryn, uh, get, is, is Taryn getting a nom? T- does Taryn get a nom for this? Uh, I don't think it's big enough for him to get one. If he okay. got one, cool. If he doesn't, makes sense. It was just like, yeah. it was interesting. Um, If he gets nominated, he's not going to win. Sure. But it'd be, it'd be a nice like, you did a good job, guy. Um, I There's a couple tropes that happen with every communist movie. A lot of Russian movies in particular. When the Russians are the bad guy, there's like one in particular who just like follows you around and just reminds you that like Russians are bad guys. And it gets annoying. <laughs> sure. Because it, ma- it makes it sound like because he's Russian, he's a bad guy. And yeah. this does a good way of showing like, well, there's a couple of Russians that aren't bad guys. But like everyone involved with the government was a bad guy. Every single one. And that was annoying. So it's not a, it's not a perfect movie. I do think it's worth a watch. I'm not broadly recommending it to people. If you have Apple TV and you got the free time, sure. This is not a mandatory. You have to watch it now. It's not a make sure you sit down and you pay attention. It's 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 a movie. Yeah, it's a for sure. It's a good movie. Uh, so when you watch movies, and we're not doing it for the podcast, do you only watch good movies? Do you try to only watch good movies? No, not at all. I watched G Force, Alex. Yeah. How do you how do you pick the movies you're going to watch? Um sometimes it, re, it it's usually a spur of the moment decision. I will get like struck by divine intervention of being like oh, I'm going to watch Weathering with you today or something like that. Like it really is kind of like weird. A spur of the moment decision. Um or I'll just be like I want to watch something and each streaming service has kind of like the kind of movie that it's known for. And so I will pick what streaming service I want based on what kind of movie I want to watch. And then I will go from there and pick something. Yeah, that's fair. A lot of times I will search for good movies. Because here's the thing. We watched some bad movies for this podcast. And Name one. Uh, King Kong. Okay, I set the bar too low. That's on me. <laughs> Um, so we watch a lot of bad movies or not even bad movies, movies that you like and I don't like, cause this is a democracy. <laughs> we, we try to compromise and find something in between, but I watch a lot of anime, anime. and by a lot, I mean more than zero. So <laughs> I've also had to watch movies I've already seen before. Sometimes I know they're not going to be good. And sometimes I end up watching things like, I don't know, minions. For the joke. Yeah, for the record, you brought that in. So. Yeah. I just think I have to do it for the joke because we have to. Or there's a theme and I'm like, I don't really want to watch the movie, but it's great for the theme. Like the bucket list. I'd already seen it. I don't really want to watch it again, but it's great for the theme. Um, So sometimes I should have just look up good movies. Um, So I watched The Wrestler. It's got Mickey Rourke in it. It is like supposed to be a great movie. Were you going to give... um, Tetris a rating? Six and a half. Okay, carry on. Um, the wrestler is about a legit like WWE um, professional wrestler um, who's about to retire. Like he's been doing it since the 80s. This movie takes place like early 2000s, late 90s. So he's been doing it for like 30 years. And he's all jacked up on roids um, because he has to look amazing. Um, and there's like three settings for this. There, or four settings. There's him in his trailer trailer being um a trailer park in his house him at a strip club him actually wrestling and him trying to rekindle his relationship with his daughter like that's the four places those are the only four places he's gonna go there's a couple like let's go shopping let's go downtown let's go to bar scenes but like 90 percent of the movies in one of those four places um it's just a movie about a sad and lonely person marissa Tomei, so it's not a pick-me-up movie no it's the acting is phenomenal Marissa Tomei got nominated for an Oscar and uh, Mickey Rourke got nominated for an Oscar. Um, it, the acting is phenomenal. It it really plays down like this guy has nothing else going for him. He has to work a second job at a grocery store stocking. Um, and then he's they show him getting seven or eight different steroids from his dealer because he has to look great for the part. Um, he's getting hit with chairs. He's doing all that stuff. And it looks so real it's hard to watch because there's like some stuff where he's jumping and they're fake punching each other and you're like okay i get this isn't real 
And then there's scenes where there's like, all right, we're going to do it hardcore. And they're going to state, we're going to staple stuff to your body. He goes, well, how do we do that? He goes, we're just going to staple it. He goes, does it hurt? And he goes, well, yeah, it's going to hurt, but it's going to hurt more when you're pulling it out. And I'm like, oh, this is just part of the business. Pain is part of the business. People want to see stuff getting stapled to him. People want to see, you know, him getting hit with a glass table, getting thrown over a glass table and glass going into his skin. People want to see him bleeding and knowing it's real. Even though it's all scripted, it needs to like look like it hurts. And dude, that scene lasts seven minutes. I had to pause it like four different times. I'm like, this is too real. This is too real. Um, it was freaking brutal. Um, it's sad. He, the reason he's at the strip club so much is because he like genuinely likes one of the strippers and he's been going that, going there for a while. That's played by Marissa Tomei. So he's getting a lap dance and he's just talking to her the whole time. And then he comes back and goes, Hey, I'm having this family issues. And she's like, you're just a customer, but you've been seeing me for forever. And it's like, he's just, he has no money. He lives in a trailer park and he's giving this chick like $60 for a dance. And he's drinking all the time. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he drives like that van from School of Rock. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like it's one of those things. And it's just a sad thing where he's like a deadbeat dad. So he has to rekindle his relationship with his daughter. But he gets like super drunk and he misses like the one chance they had to connect. And she's like, don't come back in my life. And then like his job falls through. So he has to go back to wrestling and he has, has a heart attack. It's just a movie about a guy with the hard life. And you want him to have a relationship with Marissa and being like, I know she's a stripper dude, but she's the best thing you got going for you. And then she starts to have feelings for him, even though he's a customer. It just feels sad. The whole thing is... It's almost a little too real life. Sure. Like all of this feels like it could 100% happen. To be honest, this feels like someone's actual story. And they just didn't say based off a true story. It's real, bro. Um, It's a phenomenal movie. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. I'm not going to watch it again. It's heavy. Yeah. Um, But I just pulled it from a list of like great movies you have to see before you die. Um, Great movie. Phenomenal acting. It's heavy. It's good. But it's just like it's a lot of real life. I watched a Power Rangers reunion special. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I grew up watching Power Rangers. And when I say grew up, I mean, when I was in middle school, I got a hyper fixation on Power Rangers and marathoned all like 20 seasons that were out at the time in like a summer. Um, Holy smokes, dude. Yeah. And so I was very excited for this. It's a 30th anniversary reunion special. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the main cast comes back. Not all of them for some obvious, some not so obvious reasons. Um, and so we got two of the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and two from Power Rangers Turbo. And the big problem with this reunion special was that it was only like 50 minutes long right so it was effectively a two-part tv show episode for power rangers um and that's really only a problem because they try to fit in like nostalgia and character development and action And, like, they keep trying to shove all these things into a two-part episode, and it just doesn't Mm. work. And it felt like most of the special was just covering up reasons why the rest of the cast couldn't come back. Um, And it's just, like, Power Rangers has always done this, where, like, if they can't get an actor back, they'll just keep them in the Power Rangers suit the whole time and say it's the same character. Oh, jeez, uh, bro. And so that's what they do for most of it. Now, um, the original Yellow Ranger uh, passed away in like 2002 or something. I remember that, yeah. Um, And so the special is about her character dying in canon and then that character's daughter effectively taking up the mantle. It's, it's a legacy special. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> the way legacy works is typically the person that wants to do it, the mentors say, no, you're too young. And they're like, but I promise I can. They're like, no, you're too young. And then they prove themselves. And the mentor is like, you still shouldn't do this. And they're like, but I want to do this. And then in the dire moments, the mentor is like, all right, fine. You can do it. You've earned it. And so it's just fast tracking that entire storyline in an insanely short amount of time is Mm -hmm. such a big shot in the foot. Now, all that being said, It's also just bad in other areas, too, but 
it's bad in the same way that everything else Power Rangers is bad. The acting is cheesy. The writing is blunt and like not subtle. The action, you can see the actors pulling their punches because oh, it's dude. cheesy stunt choreography. Um, it, everything is super formulaic. You know how it's going to end before it starts. Um, you know that there are checkboxes that it needs to hit, you know, with the Megazord and uh, the transformations and all that stuff. So it is very authentic. Doesn't make it good. Like, you know, yeah. it's authentic in all of the bad ways. And if that's something you're into, then by all means, you know, I'm not going to take that away from you. If if something that you've if you've been craving 90s cheesy Power Rangers, that's what this is. It's it's um just a very condensed version of that. So if you haven't watched Power Rangers in 10 years like I have, um and you want to be reminded like what it felt like to watch Power Rangers as a kid, then that's what this service is, you know? It it's like I said, it's only 50 minutes. It's not going to eat out a big chunk of your life, but um, don't be expecting, you know, this isn't the Power Rangers movie. Mm-hmm. It, it is a Power Rangers Netflix special that is mostly nostalgia. Um, so just know that going into it. I, you know, it's like a flat six or whatever. Okay. Greg, I'm going to continue my movies watched with children. So these, okay. I, have, I watched Trolls and All right. Over the Hedge. Whew. Okay. Over the Hedge might have been one of the first movies I saw in theaters more than once. Um, it. I don't want to say it doesn't hold up. It's not as good as you remember. It's, oh, I don't doubt it. It's the exact same movie. All your favorite parts is still in there. You remember them correctly, except now as an adult, you're watching like, well, this doesn't make it a good movie. It's got a bunch of cool scenes that kids would find fun. And Bruce Willis is the main character, which went completely over my head. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Obviously as a kid. But it is one of those things I'm like, oh, I remember that scene. I remember when um, Hammy gets caffeine. I remember when they're breaking the house and the skunk has to get dressed up like a cat. And I remember um, being scared of the bear. And I remember like the dog getting involved. I remember the exterminator, the whole thing. It's just not very funny anymore. And the scenes aren't very interesting anymore. And you get where the movie's going the entire time. You get the, oh, this is what a real family is like. This is, if it's just boring the second time through. Oh, bummer. Also, the music sucks. <laughs> it <laughs> sucks, dude. And I don't even remember who does it. I do remember that he was a judge on the sing-off. So there you go. I think his name is Ben something. Um, It's not, the music stinks. I think overall, it's like a five. It's got funny parts it's great for kids yeah it's does not as an adult you're watching it you're like yo this is not for me trolls was good okay trolls was i dig trolls bro hey you can't stop the feeling yeah the music was good um it's a lot of i've never seen this before it's the trolls are it feels a little dark because they're getting hunted to be eaten the bergens okay are it's like it feels like the smurfs when you first start off you like feels like the same except the thing that's hunting them are called the bergens and the bergens eat them because it's the only way they can feel happiness so they're getting hunted (laughs) and you're thinking like why are they getting hunted it's so that they can be eaten eaten alive and it's because all the bergens were convinced this is the only way they can be happy so and the trolls have like a mandatory hug every hour and they sing and then the plot kicks off because the princess who was saved when they ran away because every year they'd have a day where they just indulge and eat the trolls and this then, movie did not make as much money as i thought it did this is crazy i'm looking at box office like it mojo everywhere. and its worldwide gross was 350 million dollars which like don't get me wrong is a lot of money for a movie to make but like you said considering how everywhere this movie like i wouldn't be surprised if don't stop the feeling made more money than the movie itself did because i feel like i heard that song every day for like six months yeah, dude, it was everywhere. This it's a good movie. It it's a good movie because it's like stuff you haven't seen before. Yeah, it's, and it's, listen, Anna Kendrick just, always a big fan. Yeah, she sings a lot, and it's pretty good. Um, some cheesy points, of course. Still some funny bits, of course. 
it's still a kid's movie for sure. This is, I wouldn't say it's for the whole family. It's good enough for adults. It's mostly for kids, but it's sure. just nice having like a refreshing take of like, oh, they're, the stakes are high because you're all about to get cooked up and eaten and die and you will all die. So those are pretty high stakes. Yeah. Um, and the Bergens are kind of scary. There's like a witch kind of type person who's their chef and her only job is to catch them and cook them and give them away or just eat them raw or whatever, however they want to provide it. Um, so it's just cool. I dig it. It's, it's a good kids movie. It's still a kids movie. I'm going to give it a six. All right. Six. Yeah. Um, I watched Suzume. It is an anime Suzume. movie okay. from the same writer and director of your name, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, we talked about your name in this year's January episode of Small and Tall. Um, so Suzume is, and these are the things, there's an element of this with all of this writer and director's stories where there's a supernatural element that is like infused in real life. Um, and so the way that this movie works is there's this girl who's living with her aunt. You know, her aunt has practically adopted her. Um, and she's just going to school one day and she gets stopped by someone that's like, Hey, do you know where the ruins in town are? And she's like, yeah, it's just over that mountain. And then she gets, uh, overtaken by curiosity and also goes to check out what's in those ruins. What's in those ruins? Um, a door that is a portal for a demonic worm to come through and, uh, crush the world pretty much. And so this mysterious man that she helps guide there, they have to team up, go to various spots throughout Japan and close these doors Kingdom Hearts style to stop these worms okay. from emerging through and effectively destroying the world. Now, there's more to it than that. That's just all I want to talk about because I feel like the rest of it kind of needs to be explored on your own. Um, it is probably one of the most beautiful movies I've seen maybe ever. It is gorgeous. Um, and I am personally a sucker for, um, a cool color scheme. And I mean that in like the literal sense of like blues, greens, and purples. Mm -hmm. Um, and this movie is chock full of that. It is a very like blue purple movie and watching that is like it's a visual treat like there was no point in this movie that i was not just like blown away from the animation style and the quality that it was bringing to us um i think as far as movie itself it's a good movie i like your name better this is not my favorite from this director um but it is still a good movie. I got sad at the end. I teared up a little bit. There's some really strong emotional moments. Um, and these emotional moments always come from areas that you don't expect them to come from. It's like, here's an emotional moment that you expected. And then here's an emotional moment that you didn't expect. And that's the one that like messes you up. Um, the second act of this movie is super duper boring. Uh, you really got to power through it to get back to the good stuff. But in the end, I still highly recommend this movie. It's like an eight out of 10 for me. Um, what did you watch it on? Uh, in the theater. Oh yeah. It like so, came out like two weeks ago. How, how many people go and see these movies in theater? You, you would know the numbers. more than you would think okay. is the short answer. Like not a lot, but more than you would think like this movie didn't really have any no sales to the best of my knowledge, like in its first week of opening, like people are seeing this movie. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I'd never heard of it. So it's obviously being advertised. And if you're saying there's no, no sales, people are watching it. So yeah. it's like, okay, I'm just, it's one of those things like you don't know there's a world that this exists around until you get exposed to it. And you're like, well, this is way bigger than I thought it was. Yeah, I'm always going to recommend Your Name to people. It's like I said, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it, it like it still has anime tropes. So if that really is a deal breaker for you, then I wouldn't recommend it to you. But the dub for Your Name and for Suzume are both really good. So there are good dubs for this. Don't feel like you have to watch the subbed version of either of them. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I get my, like I cry every time I watch your name. It's just so good. I love it so much. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much all I have in terms of things that I've watched in the last few weeks. Yeah, you and me both. Is there anything you're looking forward to uh, watching? Honestly, this might be a hot take. I'm kind of excited for The Little Mermaid. Like, I understand that. I'm going to see it when it comes out on Disney+. Plus. Sure. Um, But there's nothing that I'm, like, super duper excited for, like, more than, um, than, like, Spider-Verse. Like, Spider-Verse I'm obviously excited for. Oh, yeah. Um, But that's probably the tip of that peak. I'm going to watch... Um, on a day, Armasa's new movie with Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah. The reviews are not good. Oh no! I can't take another hit, bro. I already From took. Her? Yeah, I took a freaking bullet to the chest watching Blonde. And also, um, Deepwater. You also didn't like that movie either. It's, dude. It's not looking good. It's really not looking good. Um, cause the thing is, is I can, I've watched movies with actors I like that, and then they created a bad one. I'm like, I'll give them another shot. It taints stuff, bro. Like I don't watch Morgan Freeman movies anymore because he cranked out too many bad ones. It ruins the legacy. So I've been watching some interviews for this movie because they have great chemistry. Ana de Armas and Chris Evans, like they have like genuinely great chemistry. Um, but when Ana de Armas talks about Blonde, she talks about it, like, in a favorable way. And obviously that movie is still recent, so it would look bad on her if she was just, like, dunking on this movie that she well, was also, just Well, also, she got in. nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. So it's and, not but, like it... The, dude, I know exactly what you're going to say, but go ahead. But it makes me feel like she's the one with bad taste. Dude, it, it ruined... When a person does too many bad movies, it starts making me think like, do you not know what's going on? Because you clearly you, have you're the, the skill movies. to do good things. So when you do bad things, I want to not blame you in terms of your skill, but I am tempted to blame you for your ability to choose projects. Deepwater, I'll give her a pass on. Like You can make excuses for all these, right? Like de- Deepwater, it's because she was dating Ben Affleck. That makes sense. Blonde, it was an easy Oscar nom. It makes sense. Like You can justify a lot of this stuff. But I think Ghosted, this new one, might be the one where we as an audience has to look inward and be like, uh, Anna, do you need help choosing movies? Or did you just get so much money from the other stuff you don't have to worry about making movies for a while yeah it it's well i think hear me out i think she blew up too fast i agree i think i think and the thing is is like it usually goes one of two ways like i remember when margot when there's like a hot girl in hollywood this is going to be the most misogynist conversation we've ever had on the podcast when there's a hot girl in hollywood they become the hot girl this happened with margot robbie and and this happened um with megan fox it once they show up they're in everything, and most movies aren't good, um, especially when you do, like, blockbusters and stuff. And I think – and this happens for hot guys, too, because if you're known as the hot guy, it's it gets rough. Um, another hot girl that blew up was uh, Gal Gadot. But hot guy, Jason Momoa. I don't watch Jason Momoa movies anymore. It's just it, – it, there's something missing that you feel like – Half their movies aren't good or worth watching, um, but they're still getting a paycheck. It feels weird. And I'm going to watch this movie, (laughs) but the people are telling me I shouldn't. So this is what I call the Chris Pratt effect. Um, Not because he was the first one to have it happen to, but because it was the first time that it happened to me as I noticed it. So like he got the Lego movie and Guardians. Those came out like at about the same time. And everyone was like, whoa, this Chris Pratt guy, we should keep an eye on him. And then it's Jurassic World, Gem and the Holograms, The Magnificent Seven, Passengers. Passengers, yep. And then more Jurassic like, World stuff. So, like, he basically, he got really famous in Guardians and Lego Movie, and then 
he just got a bunch of mid stuff in a row that like my view of Chris Pratt, my view of Chris Pratt got tainted because he did so much mid stuff in a row that when he did something good like Guardians 2, which I did not like Guardians 2, but I'm just using that as a reference point. Like when a better movie like Guardians 2 comes along, I like Chris Pratt less in it. And maybe that's on me. Maybe I need to be more like aware of shedding the skin of previous work you know they're doing their best as an actor to go into a movie with like hopefully a new character and a new view on how to make this movie and i as an audience member should respect that and try to meet them at their level sometimes it's harder than that yeah and i'm i i think after i'm gonna watch this movie it's not gonna be good I'll let you know next week. I don't think it's going to ruin her for me, but I'm going to have to go back and watch some of the good stuff before I watch new <laughs> one again. I need to remind myself what's going on. Um, uh, knives we'll out see. Good. Knives Out was good. Knives Out was yeah, good. Like, knives, knives Out was good. Knives Out was good. She did a pretty good job, although I'll be at a small role in um, James Blade Bond. Runner. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Blade Runner was pretty good. So I'm going to have to like, piece together and then... She was in um, the gun running movie with Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. Mm -hmm. So I'll watch that. But she's in a lot of mid stuff. So it's one of those things I'm like, I just, it just sucks. It just sucks. Yeah. She's in everything. I can't avoid her. She's like my (laughs) ex-girlfriend. She's turning into my ex-girlfriend. Like, hey, man, I'm seeing you everywhere. We have the same friends. um, But we got to figure out how we're going to make this work. Because I don't like you anymore. (laughs) Um, but that's um, how I feel about that. Yeah. Well, what are we watching next week? Well, we're starting Spielberg Spring, a new theme that we're trying out. May has five weeks, so we needed to find something that was good. And do you know who puts out banger movies? Steven Spielberg. So next week, we're starting off with debatably his first classic, Jaws. Super excited. Spielberg Spring. It's going to be all of May. Um, it's going to be dope, bro. Yeah. Uh, Jaws literally redefined movie releasing. Um, but we can talk about that next week. Um, until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.